Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Mortal Kombat! It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great. Super excited for uh, this episode. It's been so long since we've had a guest. And, and the guest, we are joined by none other than comedian and wonderful friend, Colin J. Morris. Colin, how you doing? Good, guys. Thank you so much. It's good to, to finally be on. <laughs> well, okay, so Colin's previous <laughs> appearances on this show have been erased in the name of not elevating that Castlevania Netflix show. Um, but yeah, no, I'm so I'm that's why we haven't had a guest on Colin the whole time that we've been in uh quarantine here. Um, and we're like, we need to get Colin on because we've erased his legacy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised but relieved. That my podcast episodes were erased because someone else got canceled. So, you know, that's... Right, yes. <laughs> right. That's a great, great point. It's not too late. <laughs> I know, Mark. Mark has it out for me. <laughs> Let's see what we can't dig up in this episode. We are, uh, today, we're going to be talking about uh, the 1995's Mortal Kombat um, the film, not uh, not any video game. Um, but before we jump into that, a um, couple things we got to do, uh, as always, um, the Sonic Forces borrowing program. If you would like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces, you can try to do that. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com and give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces. Mark, what's something that might happen instead? You might get the goose. You might get Patrick's copy of Untitled Goose Game. That's right. There is a goose spoiler in the mix there. You may want Sonic Forces, but you might get Untitled Goose Game. You might want Untitled Goose Game, and you might get Sonic Forces. It's just whatever happens, happens. Get on this list. It's a perfect program, of course. Um, and then uh, the uh, last thing, we are not doing a, a second episode this week. Um, this, we're just talking about Mortal Kombat. If you haven't seen Mortal Kombat recently, go back and watch it and then come listen to this episode. Um, and then next week we are also only doing one episode where we are predicting what will happen with Nintendo in 2021. That is of course filled with your predictions because you have been emailing us those already. However, we've recorded that episode by the time this episode come, comes out. So don't send us any more predictions right now. We are full up on predictions or we will be we will have been full up on predictions. <laughs> anyway, just one episode next week, and then we'll be back to two uh, in the new year. All right, Mark, Colin, are you ready to get into our main topic, talking about 1995's Mortal Kombat? Absolutely. Okay, so I thought first thing is first that we should establish uh, what our relationship is to Mortal Kombat as a franchise, as a concept, as an abstract entity, as a series of games and movies and whatnot. Um, 
let's start with Colin, because I'd love to know what Colin's relationship is to this stuff. Well, okay, so with Mortal Kombat, that was definitely a game owned and played by neighborhood kids and not in my mm-hmm. house. Mortal Kombat was not allowed. Um, it was, I, and I think it was the, you know, the reputation, obviously, of Mortal Kombat in the early 90s. Like, it got to the parents. It spooked them pretty hard. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I liked it. I was never, like, coordinated enough. I was uh, a button masher, especially in fighting games. Mm-hmm. And so I could I could elevate to a certain point, but I was the kid who, you know, the neighbor or the big brother had to get to Goro. I, I could never reach Goro myself. So. Right. Um, it, it, uh, Mortal Kombat feels like something that would aesthetically appeal to young Colin. Am I wrong in that? No, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. It was All right. <laughs> big globs of blood, spikes, skulls everywhere. Yeah. Like it's very much, uh, you know, that the desire for that was denied to me as a nine-year-old and it has actualized as a 33-year-old. Um, <laughs> Now my whole aesthetic is a uh, silly, cartoony, uh, you know, uh, horror or gothic, bloody stuff. So it, it came around, and perhaps my parents were right to try to keep me away from it. <laughs> uh, well, Mark, my cor- if- yeah, my Mortal Kombat experience is like almost identical to <laughs> Colin's. Like Mortal Kombat was definitely, absolutely not allowed in my house. So it was something that like. I heard about and then would go to like friend's house or neighbor's house. And that's where I would experience Mortal Kombat. My play style is identical to to Colin's. Like we should at some point play Mortal Kombat against each other because I am also just a button masher. Like that's, that's my like fighting game style in general. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, yeah. So, uh, and I thought that Mortal Kombat was so scary. Like I kept anticipating the worst because I didn't like experience it that much. And so the legend of like the finishers was like so much bigger in my mind yeah. than what like <laughs> yeah. it actually turned out to well, be. Well, so speaking of which, I have a question, Mark. Um, have you ever successfully done a fatality? Because I have not. No. <laughs> <laughs> not once. No, n- not even close. And here's where Patrick tells us about how he used to hang out at the local well... comic shop and win all the tournaments. No, I I was never good at Mortal Kombat, but I mean, I was, you know, the, the, the first one came out in the arcades in like 1992 or something, uh, 91 maybe. Um, so like, you know, I was nine years old when this game came out, um, which means I was intensely interested in it um, and had already been playing Street Fighter 2 in the arcades. Um, which I was okay at, but I was not very good at uh, at Mortal Kombat. But that didn't make me like love it any less. So I remember reading. What's well, the di- what's the difference between Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat? Because I mean, to oh, me, a Colin. fighting game is a fighting game. <laughs> what could possibly be different? So especially in the early days, uh, there weren't like solid fighting mechanics in Mortal Kombat. Um, that like everyone has the same basic move set: high punch, low punch high kick, low kick, everyone can hold back and uh, low kick to do a sweep, back and high kick to do a roundhouse, down and high punch to do an uppercut. <laughs> like, everyone has the exact same moveset. 
Whereas in Street Fighter, um, every character's uh, individual moves are all unique. There are three punches. There are three kicks. If you are holding any direction, it changes what that input does. If you're in the air, if you're ducking, all of it. Like, there are just so many more tools. And the combo system in Street Fighter is more... Um, like based on the like frames of invincibility and frames that you can cancel out of and stuff like that and Mortal Kombat is really like Mortal Kombat is a button mashers game where like you can get success with bashing on those buttons as I'm sure both of you found (laughs) (laughs) to a limited degree to a degree (laughs) Um, but I, I remember when Mortal Kombat 2 was coming to um, Super Nintendo and Genesis, I remember being on the phone with my buddy Pete Farr um, as he was uh, reading a copy of like EGM or one of those magazines, uh, and he was reading about how detailed the characters were in the game, reading it out loud to me on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we were just like, whoa, and we were so excited um, for Mortal Kombat 2 to come out. Um, Mortal Kombat 2 was one of those super expensive cartridges on the on the Super Nintendo, one of those like $70, $80 cartridges. Oh, they cost um, that much back yeah. then? Yes. Because, <laughs> um, you know, they needed to be fatter cartridges with more memory in them. Oh, um, wait. So it was the Genesis equivalent, the one with the taller one with the yellow box in it? <laughs> No, I think they just get like better, better. T- you're, you're thinking of like a, either a Game Genie or the Sonic and Knuckles, where like you locked in Sonic the Hedgehog three to it. You no, there thing? was certain certain games on uh, Genesis. I remember were different size cartridges, and I imagine that was just Whoa. a memory uh, memory thing. I think uh, that Nintendo just always had a little bit of extra space in the cartridge to begin with. So when because they. Uh, that was something that Nintendo was doing for a while was adding new technology to their games by physically putting it in the game cart instead of in, in the system. Like that's where Star Fox comes from um, with like the, the 3d graphics on a super Nintendo. Otherwise it can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Also, now um, that you tell me that in yeah. 1991, Mortal Kombat was $70. I know why it was banned from our household. <laughs> okay that was mortal kombat 2 in 1993 so <laughs> yeah it was it was it was too much money uh, but uh, i i loved those games even uh, uh m- mostly back then and i'm sort of like a ca- like uh, uh just like an observer of the series now i haven't picked up a new one in a while but i always liked them aesthetically um and I always try to make myself watch a video of all the fatalities strung together. Um, but they've gotten so <laughs> gruesome. Have you guys seen a recent fatality? No. I think I saw some of the ones around, like, X or whatever game that was. Yeah. Where, like, people's horrifying. faces are getting sliced off. Yeah. If people's faces are getting sliced off. People are getting, like, ripped in half. There's a, uh, a Johnny Cage one in, in the most recent game in Mortal Kombat 11 where um he uppercuts their head <laughs> uppercuts their head off and then they do like uh oh you know like stop taking those like you know the the clapper like the marker and then they like do take two and then like he does it again and like they do it three or four times because it's like he's trying to they're trying to get a good take of this uppercutting the head off that's very fun it's good silliness um but okay so that's i think we all understand where we are with mortal kombat abstractly uh <laughs> mortal kombat the movie which is what which is what we're talking about today 1995 uh have have we had we all seen this 
before we watched it for this? And if so, when? Mark, you're already shaking your head. <laughs> I'd never seen this movie. I It has like a reputation from like the back pages of EGM where like Sean Baby would make fun of it or something. But uh, I no, I had never seen it before. Uh, Colin, had you seen this movie before? Many times, yes. Um, <laughs> this was, and it, again, it's probably because you could rent this from the video store for three dollars, and you know that's how that's how I could have access to Mortal Kombat as opposed to getting a very expensive game. And I always was more into movies than video games, generally speaking. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Mortal Kombat, this is, today was probably like, if I had to guess, my seventh or eighth viewing overall in the last uh, 25 years. Yeah, again, 25 years, we are, of course, celebrating the 25th anniversary of, <laughs> of, of Mortal Kombat. Uh, Colin, had you watched it recently? No. Like, w within... Because I, I, I know I, I also uh, saw it a lot when it came out. I saw this movie in the theater. Mm -hmm. um, I may have seen it twice in the theater. I don't recall. <laughs> um, and, and I saw it, you know, a couple other times in, like, junior high school and high school. But, it, you know, had probably been about 20 years since I had seen it. So I forgot, you know, basically everything that happens in this movie. There were a bunch of times where I was like, is that Ali Larder? And then it wasn't, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, I was actually really surprised by this, uh, this viewing of it today, because it is the first time I was ever aware of any sort of plot in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had no idea when I was watching it, it was, mm -hmm. it was so shocking because I recognize, you know, the iconic things, the, uh, Johnny Cage scorpion fight, particularly, which yes. I imagine we'll mm -hmm. get into in great detail, because that was awesome. Just as awesome as I remember <laughs> it from a kid. But like yes. the whole, the whole plot, the whole thing where there's a tournament that determined which realm got to control all the other realms and stuff like that. I had no idea any of that was in this movie. It was shocking. Well, and it's it's like barely in this movie. <laughs> like I don't think we should give it too much credit. I have to say, guys, I spent the like me and this movie got off on rough footing because <laughs> my 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 expectations were set all wrong. Because, you know, I'm watching the opening huh. credits. I'm opening the, watching the opening credits and, like, I have no idea where he's going. <laughs> what could his expectations like, have been? Yeah, this is wild. <laughs> it's 1995's <Yeah>. Mortal Kombat, <laughs> Mark. So I'm watching the credits, mm -hmm. the opening credits, and Christopher Lambert's name comes up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, the dad from The Sound of Music? So I spend the entire movie waiting for the dad of from sound of music to show up and i'm like is he the emperor of outworld what is going on and then i get to the end of the movie no dad from sound of music and then i look it up and realize that that's christopher Plummer. i spent the entire movie <laughs> waiting for christopher Plummer to show up and it didn't happen <laughs> this is a unique use case here mark <laughs> Um, but did you, you didn't care. For, did you uh, enjoy seeing Christopher Lambert actually in this movie? <laughs> Christopher Lambert, uh, he plays he plays um, Raiden. He plays Raiden, and uh, the voice that he uses, I'm assuming <laughs> that it's a put upon. Where like the first time you meet him, he like whispers everything, and then like I know, but there's no one else. 
and then like later it gets like super raspy. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was fine. I thought he was fine. That now that's generous. Um, I <laughs> I thought he it's was... a weird performance, right? He he's laughing at times that I don't understand why the character is laughing. Yes, and that was a really good joke. Uh, what he what he laughs at like uh Luke Hank talking about his dead brother or something, and then he apologizes <laughs> for it immediately after. <laughs> yeah. It's very weird. Um, I I did a little. I, I was gonna say I was gonna. I did a little research, but really I just went to the trivia section on IMDb for uh, Mortal Kombat. There you um, go. And uh, Christopher Lambert uh, was the most expensive actor on this movie. Um, and so yes, <laughs> so they had originally Boy, did they only get hired their him. money worth. <laughs> uh, they they originally only hired him to do um like the scenes in like the studio in L.A and not actually travel to um, Thailand, where uh, you know a lot of the outdoor scenes were filmed. Um, but he wanted the movie to succeed so much that he went and did, like, appeared on set, like, pro bono. Um, no. Yes, for the Thailand parts. <laughs> I mean, they paid as him. He got, he got paid for the rest of it, but the rest of it, he did it for free. As if that was what was holding the movie upon the razor's edge. <laughs> right. It not. already had the Mortal Kombat name. <laughs> oh, so strange. I like to imagine that. Um, so I'm not really familiar with Christopher Lambert's career outside of this movie. I got his IMDb up here. Um, Highlander. Highlander is like the only other thing that I. Oh, is he that, the Highlander? Um, maybe. <sighs> he may be a Highlander. No, there can only be one. <laughs> okay. Well, he does appear in uh, 2019 in an episode of The Blacklist as Bastien Moreau, so that's kind of fun. <laughs> I mean, he is first billed in Highlander, so like he must be the Highlander. I mean, he's got. I mean, I have to. I have to admit, I've never seen the Highlander, so Mark, I'll take either. your word for it. <laughs> have none of us seen the Highlander? I have not. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! What what like, happened? For whatever Christopher Lambert's performance is in this movie, like I can't have any ire for it because I have saved all of that for whoever plays Johnny Cage, who is so not fun. He's not yes. fun. Well, he it's a not it's a not fun actor giving a not fun performance of a not fun character, right? <laughs> Like, every part of him <laughs> is despicable. Uh, yeah, but I like when he's got to carry his luggage. I don't know. Here's the thing. I I like a no, heel. Co- I like a heel. I always have, and I always will. If you could get someone who thinks that they're, they're better than me and then knock yeah. them down a few pegs, I'm going to laugh at their foibles. I just will. Also, Colin. when he punches Goro in the Nards, as an yes, eight-year-old, right. that I think was the height of comedy I had ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah, home run. Colin, I so as I was taking notes, I put stars next to the parts that I was like, this might be my favorite part of the movie. Okay. I'm looking back through my notes now, and there are three stars, and they're all Johnny Cage scenes. <laughs> <laughs> With him doing, like, it is literally... Uh, when he's at the docks and he asks, uh, uh, Luke, Luke Kang. Kang. 
Yeah, yeah. Lou to take his to take his bags, and then Lou throws the bags in the water, and he's like, and Johnny Cage is like, "Thank God I didn't ask him to park the car." <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> that got a star a for line. me. It's a good line. When Johnny Cage, when Johnny Cage stands up in the boat and he's like full up with luggage, I laughed. That got a star. When uh, he punched Goro in the Nards. I laughed. That got a star. Those are the three stars I gave to this movie. Oh, there's a fourth star you're forgetting about, and that is Lyndon Ashby, the actor who plays Johnny Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are we totally turning around on Johnny Cage? We, like, what? coming in being like, forget Johnny Cage, and now we're like, yay, Johnny Cage? What happened? <laughs> no, he's... It, it's It's such a terrible character, and, uh... The this Ashby person who played him like I wrote down in that first like action sequence the one where uh, he's like on set you don't know it yeah. at the beginning but he's like on set that I was like ooh Johnny Cage action dentist because he has no <laughs> like a uh, charisma or anything he's like somebody who came out of like a dental convention and like also maybe knows martial arts I'm assuming they cast all these people because they know martial arts. But uh, it's so unnecessary because nobody does cool martial arts in this. <laughs> well, there, there are, I think there are two good fight scenes, two good like martial arts sequences in this movie. And in my extensive research of going to IMDb and <laughs> reading a little bit more about this movie, um, I found out that they were both late additions to the movie, like after test screenings, uh, decided that there wasn't enough action in the movie. And both are choreographed by... Um, the Liu Kang actor um, who uh, like you know hadn't been able to uh, choreograph the rest of the movie um, but you know because they were bringing back for like reshoots and adding more scenes um, just choreographed the, the fights uh, and I wonder if you what 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 two fights do you think those might be um, Sub-Zero and Scorpion uh, so, well, well so uh no, th- those are both in, in the... So, Scorpion, sort of. Um, the Scorpion fight originally ended with uh, Johnny Cage kicking him in the forest um, and not going to the, like, you know, underworld hellscape oh. that is, like, all the scaffolding and, and lights. Um, so that, that part uh, was added uh, and choreographed by uh, that, um, that, that actor. And then the fight with, with human reptile in Outworld um is was also uh added late and i think that's the best fight in the movie oh hard disagree i think the one with reptile is a big letdown after what? the fights with scorpion and sub-zero i liked it because it didn't have any it didn't let any like dumb superpowers or like special moves get in the way like i don't the i do not understand what's happening with Scorpion's hand and that, like, snake <laughs> Audrey 2 harpoon thing that lives in there. It is. It's his little buddy. And then, you know, he's a tough guy. You know, tough uh, tough demon, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he, they don't give him a moment to, to really grieve when he smashes his face against that tree, which was another <laughs> thing I didn't pick up at, at as a kid, that the snake is definitely alive and when it hits that tree and there's a little blood splatter everywhere it is definitely no longer alive also maybe the only blood in the movie i think there's like a little undernose blood from time to time oh yeah yeah Uh uh-huh 
Or like a lip gets punched or something. something. Shang Tsung in like the last fight, right? He's getting like beat up and then you realize that he's like super powered because his lip is bleeding, but he's otherwise right. like unfazed. I, okay, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but talking about like bloodless, I could not believe that Chekhov's spikes at the very end, we don't even get to see Shang Tsung like land on them. Even yeah. like... It, it's possible in a PG-13 movie. I could not believe how, like, lack of Mortal Kombatness there was in the Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit, because it is crazy how a video game franchise that is notorious for its hyper-violence and levels of gratuitous gore gets adapted into a movie form where violence and gore are commonplace, <laughs> and it's not, that's not, it's not present. Um, like... <laughs> There's a there's a point in this movie where Goro is holding some the four armed Prince Goro is holding uh Art Lean over his head. Um this character that we meet on the boat and then only ever see again during this fight. Um and I, I was like, "Oh man, I don't remember him tearing this guy in half, but I can't wait to see him do it." And then nothing <laughs> happens. Yeah. Uh, Art Lean's death is so lame cuz you have Goro there and he like is in his grasp and everybody's like do it kill him and then he just kind of like bonks him on the head real hard. Yeah. It's uh, it is it is a stone cold bummer how little <laughs> uh how little gore and hyperviolence. No one even gets a head cut off. What is well, this movie? No, no, the, <laughs> the Red Hood, the uh he gets decapitated. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, yes. No, that that you yes, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm trying to think are there any other decapitations so it's a lot of falling i guess the sub right the, <laughs> and the guy that sub zero the guy that sub zero fights during that banquet that they just ruined for no reason <laughs> um uh he gets he gets frozen and shattered and like kano afterwards is like i saw his guts and everything and it's like well oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> well he, he hung around of... and waited for him to defrost because he just had to know <laughs> that's right <laughs> Yeah, he he took a piece of him ba- with him back to his room and just waited for it to melt. Uh, speaking of like Sub Zero and Scorpion, and I guess like human reptile as well, um, it's amazing how like not cool those costumes look in the movie. Like the pants, the cut of the pants is like all wrong. It's like they're like bus boys at Red Robin. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. It's I mean, they're not helped at all by like their characterization in the movie because they're just goons, right? They're just superpowered yeah. goons. Mm-hmm. Um and like one of the things that uh I think is good or appealing about like the narrative of Mortal Kombat as a franchise is that each of the characters have their own like um, you know, uh, it's it, a Mortal Kombat movie should almost be like a a uh, Avengers style event where you're like, I can't believe that this like warrior who fought his way out of hell and this like other guy who is part of you know a warring ninja clans and also this movie star and this uh you know international criminal and then you like this SWAT team uh military whatever in Sonya Blade that like all of these disparate pieces come together and have to fight in this tournament um and the movie sort of necessarily is like okay well a lot of these characters aren't characters they're just punch <laughs> machines um and like i i just uh, scorpion's so cool and uh, sub-zero is so cool but like they are so painfully uncool in this movie <laughs> yeah i mean honestly the the coolest character 
in my opinion, is Kano. I loved his performance. I loved the character. He was horrible. Again, I like a heel. I mm-hmm. and an extension of that is I like an all-out villain. And he was the most interesting one. Like the fact that he was like doing it for money instead of like honor or power or, you know, to uphold yeah. the tradition of his realm or whatever made him 10 times more interesting than any other character's motivation. Like he was just yeah. he was he was the true goon uh if you think about it, but was really like great. He stepped up into the role. Well, and he knows that that's his role, right? Like, there's something so, like, I don't know, charming or reassuring. I don't know what it is about him sitting at this huge banquet table opposite Goro. It's just the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, just, as, you know, as we learn, the content. two of them have nothing to talk about. <laughs> no, just nothing to talk about. He has to tell him about all the frozen guts he saw. Um, but that, like, <laughs> Kano... You know, it's like when uh, when doctors pull out their gross out stories because they don't have anything else to talk about with people. That's what Kano's doing in that moment. Um, but yeah, like that Kano is so chill in the presence of a nine foot tall, four armed, you know, other world prince. Uh, it's just it's 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 bizarre and makes him one of the weirder characters in the movie. Also, can we collectively wrap our heads around what is happening with Kano's face? <laughs> no, I was actually hoping that you'd be able to, as I the default like Mortal Kombat authority Thank in you. the room, <laughs> it, is that like something that comes from the game? Is he a cyborg underneath that? What is, what's going on? I mean, in my opinion, everything about Mortal Kombat the game, like in the early days and Mortal Kombat the movie, like how and why are so far beyond the point. It's like <laughs> it, it's like a bunch of a bunch of frat guys just got together, but not even like your typical frat guys, like frat nerds, like the ones who really love kung fu, but for, you know, the wrong reasons. Yes. Um like they got together and like the white guys that like kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and as being among their ranks, I, I felt very seen by <laughs> the Mortal Kombat movie. I think it's just like a cool looking thing, and they decided to go with it, right? No, but I I want to I want to dig into what it what it looks like is happening there. So, like, I, I think there there are two options, right? And one option is that Kano's skull, or the majority of Kano's skull, is metal, and like mm-hmm. the skin is starting to like grow over the parts of it. So, like, but there's still a big chunk revealed. Or there is a like metal plate that is like grafted on top of his head. Um, but which is it? Is the skin under the <laughs> under the metal plate, or is the skin uh, covering metal? Which is it? Mark, any to hypothesis? Me, yeah. To me, what it looks like yeah. is that he's like a Terminator, yes! and his right, and so he has like a metal skull. Maybe entire metal skeleton, although I guess not because uh, Sonya like breaks his neck. Um, oh, we will talk about that because it's absurd, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's what it looks like to me. It looks like he has a Terminator head and, you know, like some of the skin got uh, removed. And so you're seeing just like a little bit of metal from underneath. Interesting. I always assumed it was the exact opposite. I thought he lost his eye and like his what what do you call that like his orbital socket or what have you like that whole chunk yeah. of his skull 
came out in like a fight or a, a factory accident. I don't know. Um, and that was like they. <laughs> so wait, now okay, now I'm I'm coming up with a whole backstory. So now yeah, I they, love it. They stick a chunk. They stick a chunk of face, metal face on there, and he's like, oh, "Give me the red eye, then, isn't it?" Because he's like, it, "There's options. It's like when you get uh, <laughs> you get to choose the color of your braces or your cast." He he goes for the red eye, which yeah, he totally. And then they everyone's gonna sign it. But either because he paid extra for the red eye and the chrome finish on the plating, uh, he cannot afford a skin graft. Or because of who he went to, like whatever back alley mobster plastic surgeon, the skin graft didn't take, and he eventually just ended up cutting that part away because it just wasn't oh, looking gross. very good. Wow. <laughs> well, I I'll tell you this, Colin. I agree with you that I think that's what they were going for, but I don't <laughs> think that's what it looks like. I think yeah, it the, looks like he has a yeah. metal skull, but I agree that I think they were going for he had this like applied to his face. Yeah, I think that's totally right. And I think that's what the character normally looks like. But like, yeah, for they made the skin around it so puffy. And I wonder if that must be makeup and not just like an allergic reaction to the glue that they used to stick this thing to his face. <laughs> oh, God, uh, but it no, could be that, that too. Just, that's his real skin is what you're suggesting. <laughs> that's, that's what's really happening to him. Uh, believe it or not, uh, that's yeah, actually but... his real metal plate. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, he had to wear a contact lens to make the eye red, though. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say to make the other eye not glowing red. <laughs> um, uh, fun fact about this uh, actor who I'm not going to look up the name now. Uh, he's not Australian, but played the character as Australian. Um, and then they changed I believe the it. identity. <laughs> changed the identity of Kano in the games to be Australian. He was not previously. <laughs> That's a difference maker. That's like, you know, like no small parts. Right? Am I right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That's hilarious. Um, also, well, this is how well I know accents. I, I looked up uh, Trevor Goddard, which is his name, earlier today. Yes. And it's, his bio says he's from England. I just assumed that was an English accent. I could not tell that that was an Australian accent whatsoever. Is it? Well, apparently, I mean, it was uh, convincing enough that they, that's why they changed the <laughs> nationality of the character in the games. <laughs> I don't know. Again, the guy doesn't have a lot of screen time, and he just oozes charisma the whole time. So, <laughs> um, Can we talk a little bit about the fight between Sonya Blade and Kano? We're sort of all over the place here. Um, but, Mark, you brought up uh, that he gets his neck broken by Sonya. Um, and she does like, like a leg grab. Like it seems like he's she's gonna do a thigh grab, but has him caught squarely between her shins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like around it, the ear. No, around the ears too. Her ankles are not locked. She is just mm-hmm. pinching her shins around his ears, and it's enough to submit the Robo Man. He cannot fight any further after that. I was really let down and, by that. Speaking of choreography. Oh, so disappointing. So disappointing. Yeah. That is the only storyline. I mean, you have Liu Kang's thing um, with, you know, avenging his brother, and they talk about that a lot, but they don't really ever talk about the relationship with the brother, right? That's just like, oh, my brother's dead. I'm mad about right. it. That's all they ever say. But, like, um, Sonya has, like, much better revenge story in my mind, or at least, you know, the actor emotes better. 
And then you get to that fight where she's finally facing him, and it was so boring and, like, 20 seconds long. Yeah. Well, and, like, Kano comes into it brandishing, like, the biggest, scariest knife someone could ever bring to a fist fight. Mm -hmm. And then, like, it becomes a non-entity, like, right away. It's That's a problem with a lot of these fights. Like, okay, uh, the one right before Sonya faces um Kano when it's like Lu Kang versus uh the like cheetah guy I I don't really know what his deal oh, was like he wasn't really a cheetah but he had like and yeah like he they like mm-hmm. gave him animal noises on the soundtrack um like that fight was so lame too I really feel like this whole movie would have been so much better if like either everybody was like 15% better looking or the combat was like fifteen percent, like more interesting. If either now, of those things on, had happened, on. it would like got, I gotta tip push over back to like watchable. <laughs> I gotta push back on Liu Kang. I don't think he needs to be fifteen percent better looking. I think that Liu Kang is a babe. I like seeing him at the beginning of this movie getting out of bed. <laughs> like I'm into it. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. Don't don't get me wrong. In my personal hotness rating for this movie, <laughs> Liu Kang is number one. With the bullet. Okay, Mark, like, Luke Kang- you, know, you know that's how we end every episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's why our Mario episodes go on so long. Honestly, I know. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of one cast member who, who, where is there room for 15% better looking, Mark? <laughs> oh, no. You, all, Come on. So wrong. So wrong. Okay. I think you have uh, Luke Kang is number one. Katana and, like, Sonya are up there. Kano is, like, close fourth. Um, Scorpion and Sub Zero are like tied. Uh, Goro's pretty hot, but then like what? Johnny Cage <laughs> is like wh- like John. There's well, Johnny you, you Cage. Got, you got to go back and put Shang Tsung in there somewhere because he's uh, he's a, a good looking man as well. Okay, uh, maybe between Kano and Scorpion and Sub Zero, just because like we can't see their faces. Oh, just put sure. them between Scorpion and Sub Zero. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if everyone was just a little bit better at fighting or the fight scenes were a little bit more dynamic, that like the movie could be a lot. Because it actually is impressive how many or like how much this sticks to like the structure of actually playing Mortal Kombat, right? Like there are, uh, I think, nine separate one-on-one fights uh, in, in this movie, which like, I mean, you know, adhering to uh, how a video game feels, like it making that, applying that to a movie is not something that happens in video game adaptations, right? Like, they normally feel totally different than what they're coming from, but this sort of feels like playing Mortal Kombat. But I feel, I feel like they miss, like, such an uh, easy opportunity to make clear, like, what the tournament is or the stakes. I mean, yeah. like, they keep talking about, like, oh, the tournament, the tournament, the tournament. Yeah. But we, it's not like we ever see a big board, right? Like March Madness, where these characters <laughs> are like moving up. Like it, uh, you have no idea. the the mm-hmm. The matches just seem to be random, and they seem to happen at like any time. Right. Where it's just like, oh yeah, we're at dinner, and then all of a sudden, like somebody's gonna be fighting. Like, what is the context for Scorpion and Johnny's Cage's fight in the uh, forest? Like, they're just there all of a sudden. Well, and they do make a big deal about it at the end when Sonya gets kidnapped and it's like... Oh my gosh. Dude, they did (laughs) Sonya pretty dirty in this because, all right, so they set up the whole thing where one of those three was going to determine the destiny of the tournament, right? It's like, these are Mm -hmm. the three most powerful fighters of mankind. And then when Sonya 
gets done dirty in the Kano fight because the choreography stinks, right? Then, mm-hmm. really doesn't do much except argue with Johnny. Johnny gets two marquee fights. He gets Scorpion and Goro. And then um, yeah. Liu Kang gets, I think, two... Yeah, I think he gets two Luke. more fights in the meantime. And then Sonya shows mm-hmm. back up at the end, and all she does is get kidnapped and, like, refuses to fight. Where's the character who's, like, refusing to fight? Where has she been the whole movie? I feel like she would have been like, heck yeah, let's fight. I'll rule you. And I, th- I think it would have been cool even if she died in that fight and the guys then show up just as it's too late, you know? Yeah, it's... Go ahead, Mark. I was just going to say, I laughed so hard when... Uh, so she gets kidnapped. Um, then they, they eventually they cut to, like, the interior of the, like, tall tower where the climactic, like, fight happens. Ooh, and cut she... to is generous. <laughs> <laughs> it's a because, long, yeah. drawn-out, like, advance to that moment. And she is in, like, the... Her, like, Slave Leia oh transformation God, yes. is so awful. She looks like she's and going so, backstage like, at a GNR show. It's insane. Yes, 100%. <laughs> I was going to say poison, but yes. <laughs> it's so shameful. Like, I know that Liu Kang is kind of like the framing device for this movie, right? Like, it's kind of like his story more than anybody's. But I feel like all three of them should have been in that fight with uh, Shang Tsung at the end. Like, it should have been all three of them working together and not just, like, everybody kind of hanging out on the bottom floor while Liu Kang, you know, like, beats up Sh- Shang Tsung. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's... It is... It, the, the whole, the whole like, uh, thrust of the movie is, like, it, it's a problem that they don't really have um, anyone's uh, motivations or obstacles really, like, uh, established in, in any meaningful way. Um, like, right at the beginning, uh, when Raiden is addressing the three of them, uh, he says, like, you have to get over your ego, looking at Johnny Cage, uh, looking over, uh, get over your obsession over your enemy, and he's talking to Liu Kang, and your quest for revenge, she says to Sonya. And then, like, Sonya uh, doesn't need to get over it. She just gets revenge. And then, <laughs> then becomes a damsel in distress. And then the other two aren't, like, ego and your desire to defeat your enemy. Those are things that they both end up using, mm-hmm. right? Like, Johnny Cage uses his uh like his swagger to be to i don't like punk goro after punching him in the nards uh and i and then luke hank beats his enemy so like i don't know what <laughs> he's talking about no raiden doesn't know nothing about anything very clearly yeah, that's right that's right <laughs> he was a useless I know god we, on earth i know we like the part where like uh johnny cage punches goro in the nards but I feel like that fight is a letdown otherwise. Like, we 100%. never really get to see, like, G- like Goro as a character is actually looks pretty good. Yeah. Like, it's actually yes. pretty impressive. Yeah. Agree. Um, he looks like a Ninja Turtle, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we never really get to see Goro, like, let loose. And after that fight, like, Johnny Cage, like, punches him in the nards, and then he runs away and basically just, like, kicks Goro off a cliff. Like, it's so anticlimactic. Yeah. I think the yeah. long and short of it is this is a movie made by and for people who don't care because <laughs> like there's no way you make that goro and i'm sure you don't see good fight sequences with him like even when they're doing the montage of goro's fights you just see his enemies fall one after another 
so many. Like, there were so many people following the Goro. It, it's just got to be an expense thing. Like, they couldn't get the fighting mm-hmm. in that costume totally. down. Totally. But if you go to a screening and you see that, like, cool, like, it is kind of like a throwback to earlier 90s or, like, 80s era sort of, like, animatronic stuff. And then you look at the cartoon reptile, and you're like, yeah, these both belong in the same movie. Like, you, there's no quality control going on. Yeah, that's right. Um, the, it, it took 13 to 18 performers to get uh, Goro up and running oh, in, in any cool, given show. that's cool, man. That's really cool. That, doesn't that sound awesome? Like, ah, I wish he was just in the whole thing, just punching people. Gotta be so cool. <laughs> Um and yeah, do we have to talk about the uh the the reptile design or <laughs> like what is happening there? Well, is there is there any um before 1995 is there any reference to reptile being uh like an actual sort of dinosaur in in the video games or that was written for the movie? So in Mortal Kombat 2, one of his fatalities is he takes off his mask. Um, and it is like a big lizard head up there, uh, and he spits his tongue out and grabs your head and pulls uh, your head into his mouth and just eats it. So, like, he's got a lizard head for sure, um, but not one so different from a human head that he can't just wear a mask over it. To me, it feels very like, hey, remember how you, lo- like, little boys like Jurassic Park? Well, guess what? We've got a little Jurassic Park in our movie, too. Very little Jurassic Park. And in this scene, he's invisible because uh, we don't have to render him so much. Uh, how did you guys feel about the music? I um, kind of I laughed really hard the first time like the fight sequence kicks up and you hear Mortal Kombat. Um, so the very beginning of the movie, like the opening moments <laughs> yeah. of the movie. <laughs> Which, by the way, yeah. So I'm still on a I'm still on a sleep schedule that's held over from my my last job where I was waking up at four in the morning. So I decided, oh okay, six a.m. Like I've waited long enough. I can start Mortal Kombat. Totally forgetting that that is the first noise that will come out of the television <laughs> and scared my girlfriend, uh, very much half to death <laughs> at that first opening scream. But it was all worth it. I wish more movies did that. Like, you're just watching Jaws, and it's like the theme from Jaws. Jaws! And then it's like, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are obviously, like, uh, music cues in this, like, entire fights that are scored with, like, hilariously funky, um, pieces of music. Um, it might be the Johnny Cage Goro fight where I was like, what is this music? It, it actually happens kind of a bunch. Um, but yeah, I mean, like outside of that, that the famous like Mortal Kombat, you know, dance song, which was everywhere in 1995. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not really any good music in this thing. Well, so did you, this is kind of a deep cut and I didn't catch it myself. Um, by the end of the movie, uh, my girlfriend had woken up and joined me to watch this monstrosity. The final... She's a hero. She is. Uh, the final song in Mortal Kombat is the opening song of the movie Hackers. So, 
It is now canon. <laughs> that right. One story leads directly into the other. We haven't figured out the details yet, but it, it is kind of like a fun it's 1995, uh, 95 double feature, I think. Yeah, not bad. I mean, both kind uh, of bad, well, but both both kind of yes, of course. But as a double feature, at least you know, I don't know, aesthetically coherent. No. <laughs> uh, Mark, did you bring up the music for a a specific observation about it or? No, just that like uh by okay so yeah it's sh- like them screaming Mortal Kombat happens at the beginning, <laughs> and then we you don't get any of it for like right. thirty six minutes <laughs> until the next fight sequence, and when that sequence finally hit, it was so it's not particularly good, but it was so cathartic because yes. I was so I was ready for more combat. Give me the combat with a K. <laughs> Um, as with, uh, most, um, things that I watch now, um, seeing all of the, like, uh, fight sequences, like the, the, the early fights in this movie that all take place on, like, the beach or, like, this cool, uh, sand pit somewhere, uh, just made me miss, um, being places with people. <laughs> <laughs> even if locked in combat to the death or yeah, to save, even, uh, the world. Patrick he watches the Netflix series You, and he's like, oh, I wish I was trapped in a cage. It's, uh, someone else was there, at least. <laughs> I was mentioning this before we started rolling, but I'm watching uh, Columbo now, and anytime he goes to a restaurant, I'm like, oh, I wish I was in that crappy restaurant. Dude, I get, I'm watching TV as well, and I get upset with people when they get close to strangers. Yeah. I'm like, this is not the time! Yeah, my husband and I are watching The Amazing Race. We've been watching like a bunch of seasons of The Amazing Race, and it just seems so like impossible <laughs> that you would travel to all these different countries <laughs> and that you would just be like interacting with people all the time. They, it just feels so remote. I wish that they had just committed to a season of Amazing Race this year, but they have to quarantine for two <laughs> weeks every time they get off an airplane. <laughs> Everywhere they go. <laughs> Oh, and then we have to like see them get tested. They have to figure out like where the testing site is in that city. Right? Yeah. Have to wait for their results before they can move on. They realize they're in Florida and like there are no testing sites. No, but you could go to a movie theater, so that's rad. Oh God! Everyone, stay home, stay safe, <laughs> protect yourself and everyone you love. Uh, what what other fights haven't we touched on here? We haven't really talked about the uh horrible Liu Kang katana fight oh yeah I, okay so I, I in addition to my personal hotness rankings I ha- also oh, have yes. like a, a ranking of like best combat and I didn't even put that fight on there because katana like does not register in this movie in the slightest right she participates in a fight loses I guess but only because uh, Shang Tsung says that's enough and then the fight's over and then doesn't steal her soul? What happened there? But she's, like, purposefully doing poorly because she's trying to give Liu Kang, like, pointers. Like, yeah. she's helping out. Yeah. But also, Liu Kang knows that that's what she will do. Because, okay, so she, Katana is the ward of, um, was, uh, how do you? The emperor of that world. Yes, the emperor of that Sh- world. Yeah, Shao Kahn. Thank you. Um, and... But she's, like, kidnapped against her will, and her whole family and their kingdom has been destroyed. So he's talking to Goro in that excellent scene with Kano, 
about how Katana must be kept from the humans at all costs because she cannot be allowed to interfere with his plans for the tournament. Cut to he puts them. He's in charge. He's the shot caller. He puts them in a fight, and it's not even like a normal <laughs> fight to the death. It's like it's like a warm up or something. Yeah, it's very strange. And then, like, she is seemingly only doing it so that she can get close enough to him to say, in your next fight, use the element that brings life. Which, like, just say throw water on him, please. <laughs> no, I let it slide right, because it... maybe that's how you talk when you're 10,000. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah that's... so in the next fight, Liu Kang is fighting Sub-Zero, and so there's, like, a bucket of water, and he, like, flings... Uh, Sub Zero is like getting ready to do like yeah. mystical, like ice power stuff, and he creates this like ice dome around him. So Liu Kang like th- uh flings water from the bucket, and from momentum, it like um absorb it like turns into ice as it's passing through Sub Zero's dome, and then it like impales Sub Zero, and so that's the way he gets out of it. Yeah, well, and it's. <laughs> I mean, just like in the the first fight with Sub Zero, where he's fighting that like rando, um, when he starts doing ice magic, everyone is like, "All right, uh, stand back, let him do his ice magic for a little bit. <laughs> we don't want to interrupt the ice magic." I said the same thing. If I were fighting Sub Zero and he started to do the ice magic, I would use the opportunity to punch him in the face. Yeah, personally. or the Nard. It's so cold. Frankly, <laughs> I'd get out of there personally. I wouldn't have been invited to the tournament, but. <laughs> if Johnny Cage can get in, anybody can get um, in. Yes, that, Johnny that Cage is tricked in though. Yeah, his, wh- who oh, he thinks right. is his former For what purpose? Why did Shang Tsung want him to go? I think I so don't know. Who was that guy that uh, he was pretending to be to trick Johnny Cage? Was that like his strip mall sensei from when he was doing Taekwondo <laughs> yes. in the early nineties? Yes, 90s? yes. Mm-hmm. Master Boyd, Master Boyd. Yes, that's right. Right, because <laughs> no, it's jo- Mark. Johnny Cage's whole thing, it's so dumb. I'm sad that I'm even talking about it. Johnny <laughs> Cage's whole thing is that the press doesn't believe that he is, like, actually good at kung fu. And so his uh, Master Boyd, or Shang Tsung in disguise as Master Boyd, is like, boy, the press is really getting at you. Hey, I heard about this tournament. If you win this tournament, that'll sure, like, show the press that you know your stuff. And Johnny Cage, the dumb... But kicking dentist he is is like yeah that's a thing I'm gonna do. He it's walks so off set. It, I, that was not the final day of shooting because he was on a boat to Hong Kong the next day. Oh, I mean they weren't even done shooting that scene no. because because <laughs> he has this thing with the guy and you know we're gonna call it back later and it's like it, it's actually kind of funny the like now's when you fall down. Oh, go ahead, put or, a star next to fall it down or whatever it is. Put a star next to it. More stars on the board. But yeah, so they're not even done filming this action sequence, and he's that's when he like walks off set because like the the stunt guy doesn't fall on cue. I don't know. <laughs> what were we talking about, <laughs> Master Boyd? <laughs> I do think we need to. I I feel like we should determine because I have my personal rankings, but I do feel like we should determine as a group what like the best fight sequences are. Okay, so by by my count, there are nine fight sequences. Oh wow! And I have eight, but I didn't count the one that you just talked about with Katana. So that oh, probably okay. would um, be should 
should should we rule that one out or should we include it in the lineup? Uh, doesn't matter to me. It's going to be pretty low either way. Okay. <laughs> um. So the uh, <laughs> uh, there are let's let's as as we go through this, let's try to like uh put them into categories of like um good fight uh maybe just good fight bad fight or like good fight passable fight yeah, bad fight yeah. Okay. okay. Um. So uh, starting with Liu Kang versus this random guy. Uh, when the 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 Tiger Man or whatever you said he had cheetah sound effects on. <laughs> I have. I'm, that's that's the for me that is the lowest. I would I would give that a uh I'd give that a passable. Yeah, I think I put it in the passable too. There's I I don't hate them fighting with the bow staffs. Um, and it reminded me of uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, Sarah and I tried to watch Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, a movie which does not hold up. Um, but there is a lot of good bow staff fighting in it. It's closer to the bow staff fight in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then the next one is Sonya versus Kano. Ugh, bad fight. So disappointing. It, I, Pretty bad fight. Not only bad, but, you know, we already addressed it. Like, I was hanging i was kind of hanging the stars up on that one you know and i feel like the movie set me up to do so so i was really disappointed yeah it serves neither character well yeah agree and then that's the end of kano the most charismatic uh actor and character (laughs) in this whole movie um so yeah so that goes in our in our not not squarely not good category the third fight is johnny cage versus scorpion good i mean Good fight, and uh, you talked about the the part when they go into like scaffolding hell, but this is I would say like the fight, and that's why I think it's so weird. Its placement, it makes sense that you were saying that like it, the cool part of it was added later because the end of this fight is the most Mortal Combat that this movie gets. Yes. Totally, like Scorpion takes off his mask to like reveal a skull. The skull like gets cut in half, like. Uh, Johnny like cuts the mm-hmm. skull in half using like the shield type thing, and then Scorpion explodes. Yes. Like it actually feels like Mortal Kombat, and it's the one time in this movie that I'm like, ah, yes, the spirit of this video game. Yes, and there was yeah. the blood that we were we were so desperately craving, and not just like some blood, but like thick, like you could see the platelets yeah. <laughs> in his blood. Yes, it was gnarly, and then he gets cut, and blood oozes out. While flames shoot out of the wound. It was, yeah, very metal, very Mortal yeah, it, Kombat. It turns out all we were missing the whole time was a flaming shield that you can cut someone in half with. <laughs> like, that's all we were missing. Yes. And the clean strike through the skull to, like, cut it open like a coconut. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Beautiful. Excellent. I, and I, I know that it's just scaffolding in, like, a warehouse, but it looked cool. I liked yes. it. I liked all the sca- It was like MC Escher's like scaffolding hell. Also, what a wonderful, like legitimately what a wonderful contrast from the beginning of the fight, right? Like they're in a place that's very natural, very well lit, very green. Uh, and then they are transported into a very red, very like obviously fake inside space. Um, and, and it's dark. Like, and it just, it, I don't know. It, it, it is very effective in uh, giving like two different visual impressions of space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'll um, rank okay. it best fight. Ooh, best fight. Um, uh, the the next fight here is uh, Liu Kang versus Katana. Do we want to count it? Or I mean, it's it goes in the bottom no matter what, right? I think it's poor. Yeah, yeah, yeah poor. Right. 
Um, I'm giving them letter grades uh, as as we go through this. I'm giving it a D. Um, uh, so so far, the the previous ones, uh, J- Johnny Cage and Scorpion is an A. Sonya Blade and Kano is is a C. And Liu Kang uh, versus the random guy is is a B. Okay, uh, next fight round round five as I have in my notes. Liu Kang versus Sub Zero. This is the aforementioned uh, use the element that gives life. This is a disappointing. I kind of liked this one. I, I didn't hate it. it. I don't believe it. I didn't hate it. Uh, well, I I feel the same way that you you guys are like about Liu Kang and the uh, uh, like tiger guy. Um, <laughs> like that one, I don't understand. This one, I thought was okay. Like I think uh, Sub Zero being impaled by a giant icicle is pretty cool. To me, it was. So much was happening that was not the fight, and specifically not the fight choreography. It was, like, the bad special effects. It was Sub-Zero waving his arms back and forth. It was (laughs) Princess Katana appearing to reiterate, use the element that gives life. Even though her last words to him (laughs) were, remember my words. And then she shows up during his fight to repeat her words. It was like four minutes it ago was, in the movie, too. In movie time, it was so <laughs> close. I forgot that she physically shows up in the room to do it. It's not even like a voiceover, like a flashback or anything. <laughs> Wait, she hold on. Shows she shows up during the fight. She does show up during the fight, but it is voiceover. I know, it's though, right? both. Like, it's the worst of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark, how can. How, come on, this has got to be in the bottom <laughs> class there. I think it's a C. I think it's okay, a C. It's, I think we balance each, uh, it all out. I, g- I give it a thumbs down, but yeah. Uh, uh, so, um, the sixth fight, which is Art Lean versus Goro, bad. Uh, yeah, it, it's pretty bad. I don't know. I like I like the moment where Goro grabs both of his hands, and then just like starts pummeling his face. Yeah, like that's fun. I I was going to say, like, because of the emotional weight it carries for all of our main characters watching Art Lane. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Johnny saw him fight in London once, so you can understand that how, how this is the most important character in the film to him. Why, why isn't this Jax? Oh, like, dude. So, oh, such a great point. Jax was a horrible actor. Uh, oh, 100%. <laughs> like, Sonya, the worst no, actor in this don't, movie. Don't. Sonya. Go. <laughs> Guys, I don't think he's any worse than anybody else in this movie. I <laughs> thought he was fine. You're out of your mind. You are insane. He was real bad. <laughs> he was really, really bad. <laughs> but, I mean, re- regardless, uh, it, the character, should, like, take the art uh, lean uh, actor, make him Jax, and then, like, just so, just so this character's death means something to anyone instead of, you know, like you said, Mark, uh, Johnny Cage saw him fight once. Yeah, or you have Goro tear his arms off because he's Jax, yeah. and then his soul gets taken, but then when he's killed, all the souls get, take, uh, get released, and instead right. of going up, into the, going up into the clouds or what have you, Jax goes back into his body and gets, <laughs> goes out and gets some robot arms and now he's ready yes. for annihilation. Come on, people. These things write themselves. <laughs> so where, where, where do we, wh- how, how do we want to rank this one? Mark, I think you're probably right. It's probably a C. 
Yeah, if nothing else, uh, it's really let down by, like, the climax of it where he just gets bonked on the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. the Flintstones or something. Yeah, I'd give it a, I'd give it a D or a C. It's not a great fight. Okay. Uh, and then the next fight is, of course, Johnny Cage versus Goro. We got to give that, what, an A or a B? <laughs> a B for the Nard Punch. Uh, I, I think a B, but the rest of it sucks. Um, yeah. I, oh, gosh, it's so funny. Because the whole thing, when I was a kid, this was the one that really stuck with me. You know, but I yeah. loved Johnny Cage, so what can, what can I say? Um. But he's got the swagger. He does the sunglass bit, you know, when Goro destroys his sunglasses. And he, he, Ooh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's like Those were $500 sunglasses. Exactly. Like, the fact that he's just hanging. I like when Goro's hanging onto the cliffside, and he does nothing and just waits for him to fall. Instead of, like, a classic <laughs> movie form, you know, he would, like, do something to make doesn't him he, fall. Doesn't he... Doesn't he say, like, now's when you fall or yes. something like that? He does yeah. say now's when you fall. Yeah. And he just obeys. The, uh, <laughs> the special effect of Goro falling is among the worst in the movie. And I'm counting <laughs> even the, like, spiral up that tower uh, at, at the end in Outworld. Because um, it's, it's not even clear to me that uh, Goro is falling down. <laughs> it appears as though he is like receding rapidly into the distance, like is somehow falling horizontally into a field of clouds. Almost as if well, they I put him that's... on a dolly in a green screen. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I think that's exactly what he's doing. <laughs> I just want him to drop a puppet from the top of a mountain. That's all I want. Like a kids in the hall sketch. <laughs> Uh, all right, then next, uh, the, the next fight, we are in uh, Outworld now. Um, this is Reptile versus Liu Kang. I hated this one. Really? This one felt I like a meat so and potatoes. No. Like, it felt like a fight between like two karate dudes. I liked it. I like it, too. I like the aesthetic of the Outworld, the very like purple scheme, uh, like sort of dramatic theatrical lighting of the whole situation. I really liked, um, I forget the name of the actor, but Liu Kang, uh, his performance after he goes through the wall and he like struggles to get up. It's a very brief moment, but in, and mm-hmm. interesting that you said he choreographed that one because I was like, oh yeah, that's probably what it feels like to get thrown through a brick wall. Like I felt that <laughs> moment very briefly and I appreciated yeah. that. I'd give this like a B Liu Kang is great. Yeah. This is also, he's, he's wearing that like totally shredded up uh tank at this point in the movie so like i'm very much on board with this version of luke Kang. i did actually i did kind of like the way that like reptile gets put into his human form like mm-hmm. uh he gets like thrown into the rib cage of that statue type thing and then it like transforms him into human and then luke Kang like kicks him through a wall and then like this, it's a statue again, but bugs fall out because you know reptiles and bugs are the same thing. It doesn't make any sense. That one, that that did throw me. Why he suddenly was the oogie boogie man? Why he's filled with bugs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's that 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 is confusing. But I mean, like honestly, I think all of the rest of the fights incorporate the like special moves of the characters in from from the video games. Um, even when it's like you know supernatural or like uh 
you, you know, whatever. Like Liu Kang in the next fight is doing the the bicycle kick, or does he do that in this it's one? It's in this one. He does that he in, this, in fight. this one. It's in this um, one. Uh, so okay, I guess I guess it is there. Never mind. I take it all back. And you know what? I changed my mind. I I'm upgrading because you just reminded me of the bicycle kick and how funny that was. I'm upgrading this to an A. This I think is second best fight. <laughs> I think this is second best fight too. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, and then, uh, of course, this brings us to the the final fight: Liu Kang versus Shang Tsung. I hate this fight. Didn't, I did not like it. So long, so boring. The spikes are there, so you're like spikes, spikes, spikes. So disappointing. <laughs> he throws Shang Tsung off, and we we. Like, I I truly believe it is not a ratings thing that we don't see Shang Shang Sung get impaled on the spikes. I really think it's budget. I really think it was like we don't have like the money for these special effects, and so you just see him fall over, and then later you cut to um like him being impaled by the spikes because you could totally get away with it in like a PG thirteen movie. It doesn't have to be super bloody. Yeah, I yeah I, I mean. Sorry, go ahead, Patrick. Go ahead, oh no, no, but yeah, no, you. no, oh no, but okay, I'll go first. Um, the <laughs> the thing that I uh like, yes, I, I agree with you, Mark. Uh, it is a, a crime that we don't get to see that body fall on those spikes and spikes shooting out his chest. Uh, like one hundred percent, that's what we need. But also, what we need is going into that moment is any doubt that Liu Kang is gonna win the fight. Um, cause like. When they they fight a little bit at first, uh, then Shang Tsung gets the bloody lip and he's like, oh, yes, but now here are the soul guys. He fights the soul guys, no problem. Um, And then he takes on the form of his brother. um, And like they talk for a second. Liu Kang figures figures it out. Or I don't (laughs) I don't know. It doesn't work on him. Or whatever. (laughs) And then Liu Kang and Shang Tsung like fight and Liu Kang dominates the fight. like. There's no moment where he's like up against the ropes or where you think like, oh no, how's he going to make it through this one? He just keeps punching him and kicking him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why weren't, why weren't the soul guys like Art Lean and let's get Kano back here? You yeah. know, like why not bring those guys back? Actors yeah. who you already why? paid. <laughs> Save some money for the spikes. Look, if Christopher Lambert will stick around for free, then maybe everyone else will too. And you're not paying Christopher Plummer at all. <laughs> what if it was Christopher Plummer who came out as Shang Tsung's soul warrior? Oh, I was God. waiting for it the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. <laughs> the choreography was not, uh, not as fun as it could have been. They let us down in so many ways. We'd already talked about, like, story-wise they let us down with Sonia and Johnny. Like this could have been a moment for all three of their journeys to be settled, but basically they kind of just didn't settle anyone's journey until, you know, the very end when we get another, the real ghost conversation with, uh, with the little brother. Yeah. Yeah. Double ghost conversation. I guess they (laughs) do. I mean, I appreciate that they set up that, uh, we have a shape shifter situation. And at least they pay it off because this does seem like the movie where they could have a character just shapeshift once. <laughs> it's like you can't shapeshift once. Come on. No. That's <laughs> that is crazy though that he shapeshifts right in the beginning of the movie in the first five minutes to trick Johnny Cage into coming to this tournament. 
when he probably Shang Tsung probably could have just told Master Boyd about it, and Master Boyd would have actually done. Did that, you right? see that guy? He could have gave Master Boyd a hundred dollar gift certificate, <laughs> <laughs> and he would have gone. Or is done. this like? Or is this like a um uh like Star Wars situation where like the retcon is that the Emperor was um uh oh Master Boyd the whole time? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting. <laughs> Very. The only reason Johnny Cage has a career in action movies at all is because he was targeted by a shape shifting Shang Tsung like 20 years ago I, this is great and i really hope that the situation was that he had a dojo in a strip mall because that's what shanks <laughs> up he had the foresight to see johnny cage <laughs> and be like i will do whatever it takes okay suburbs of baltimore watch out because you're getting a taekwondo studio <laughs> And all, like, the kids and everything that Shang Tsung had to, uh, like, teach for so many years, <laughs> right, to, like, keep the facade up. Because you just, you can't just have a class with only right. Johnny Cage in oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. His parents would never allow right. it. Right, and you got to show the parents, like, no, we've been open for seven years. <laughs> like, this is a yeah, reputable brick-and-mortar business. We're a pillar of the He's community. accredited, for sure. <laughs> um. Also, it, it's also a bummer that he doesn't, transform into anyone for fighting purposes right right completely well i mean like he should brother yeah but not to like punch Liu kang oh i see yeah yeah actual like yeah that would have been cool it would have been cool you have him do like 10 people and then you got like a cool benny hill sort of choreography where he gets punched like around a corner and then comes out as someone else Yes, 100%. Or he could turn into his friends and fight him as Johnny Cage. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Fight him as Sonya. That'd be cool. Yeah. Fight him as Raiden. Really demoralize him. That would be cool. I'm bummed that we don't have any Raiden fights in this movie. I think that's a, 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 that's a loss. How are, how are we ranking this one? What, uh, what letter grade do we give it? C? I'll buy that. D? Yeah, I think, a, I think an apathetic C. <laughs> okay do we actually need to go through and, and rank them now like in order or just uh, putting them in categories is that enough <laughs> i think putting them in categories is probably enough <laughs> okay good it's more it's more due respect than they deserve <laughs> <laughs> um okay uh, well, let's uh let's talk about the end of the movie um because that's basically where where we are now um that they uh, Liu Kang uh, wins the tournament. Earth Realm is saved for um now. Um, and what? So Shao Kahn, the Emperor of Outworld, just appears as a giant ghost at the end. Uh, so we can like hit the theme one more time and like, I don't know. I hated the way this movie ended. <laughs> yeah, it it basically doesn't end. It just stops. Yeah. I think I had stopped paying attention at that point because I don't remember the ghost of the Emperor showing up at all. Oh, he's huge. He's like he total is, uh, genie yeah, Jafar. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I completely stopped paying attention at that point then. Well, I mean, it's, it's totally inconsequential because, uh, as, uh, as Colin said, the movie is already over by that point. <laughs> 
Uh, I did like that going into the end of the movie here, um, Christopher Lambert's voice had gotten so raspy that he just straight up sounds like Jason Manzukis. That pleased, <laughs> that pleased me greatly. Get the man a lozenge. I know that budgets are tight. Somebody check their purse. <laughs> Look, he would even pay for his own if you just ask <laughs> him for true. it. He's so invested in this movie. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Mark, your first time watching this movie, Colin, your first time in a long time. Uh, how do you, how, how do you feel about this movie now that you've seen it as, uh, an old tired person? (laughs) (laughs) I hated this movie. I hated it. (laughs) It was so hard for me to watch. I don't recommend it. Um, I've already listed my favorite parts and somehow I think it tells you everything that I hated. Johnny Cage as a character, like absolutely despised him. But the parts of the my notes that I was like, these are my favorite parts of the movie, all featured him. It's a contradiction. I can't understand it. I feel trapped. Yeah, I mean, this movie is a gosh darn joke, man. It was in 1995. It continues to be 25 years later. I feel like if I ever watch it again, I want to watch it with like a 10-year-old to like get their perspective mm-hmm. on it. But I have no more use for the Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, it has, maybe it's just pushed the door open a, just a crack because I have never seen Annihilation. And knowing that Neither there is I. a, a <laughs> 2021 Mortal Kombat coming out, I feel like I'm going to have to watch Annihilation now and I'll, I'll go see the next one in theaters, uh, you know, all, if, if permitted. Yeah, I, I, I won't make the commitment to uh, seeing Annihilation, but the fact that uh, the 2021 one will just be coming to HBO Max and we won't have to go see it in theaters um, uh, makes me realize that we have just invited Colin, you know, back for part two of a two-parter about Mortal Kombat movies. I'm sorry, part three. I We're doing it. Annihilation. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we'll do it on my Veronica Mars podcast if we have to. <laughs> Does right, anybody we'll do it, we'll know... Does anybody know, is Annihilation a direct sequel? Like, is it the same actors? Some of the same actors. They couldn't get all of them back. Think, but, yeah, uh, it's a lot of the same I actors. I think Johnny, right? Isn't Johnny the uh, main character of Annihilations, or am I just making that you up? You stop that. We're trying to get him to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually sort of had fun watching this movie. <laughs> my, my expectations were uh, super low. Um, like I expected it to, uh, be a train wreck, um, with like some sort of fun campy elements. And like, I think it does deliver on, um, like some of the stranger parts of Mortal Kombat, if not the, um, like violent parts of it, which is a letdown, but I don't know. I don't think this is a, a, a total wash. Um, it, <laughs> like, I don't know. I have, I have fun watching this movie. <laughs> Um, all right, guys, that I think concludes our <laughs> our uh, discussion of the 1995 Mortal Kombat. Um, Colin, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Uh, th- I mean, first of all, thank you guys for having me back. Uh, I always love talking to you guys, and I appreciate, like, you have no idea how much I appreciate you guys carving out a non-video game section of this podcast. So I could come on and talk about stuff. It's really, it really warms my heart. Um, I mean, anything to get you on the show. Man. I appreciate that. That's very fun. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, I'm currently uh, co-hosting two podcasts. One is Same Day Shipping, the show about real love and fake relationships, uh, which I co-host among uh, other people with Patrick, who you may know from this show. <laughs> you might. Um, and that one you can uh, that one you can catch every week uh, wherever you get podcasts. And then the other one, which I mentioned just a minute ago, is my Veronica Mars rewatch which I co-host with uh, the hilarious Ryan Mogi, and we do insanely deep dives on the cult classic um, CW show, Veronica Mars, and that is a uh, bi-weekly podcast, and you can get that wherever you download your stuff. Oh, and that's called Come On Now, Sugar. Um, and, I mean, you're not lying when you say insanely deep dives. Um, I, I was, I was on an early episode of this show and I threatened to take us into a third hour, um, which at the time seemed novel. Now you guys regularly go for three and a half or four hours. I wouldn't say regularly three or no, I'm sorry. Not regularly four. (laughs) Yes. Regularly three hours. Um, there's a lot to talk about and it's something that comes up in the show a lot. Uh, my co-host and I. We decided years ago, when we discovered we were both obsessed with Veronica Mars, that we couldn't have a single conversation about it yes. because we wanted to do a podcast. And then, like, three years later, we finally started it, and there was too much stuff bottled up. So, if that sounds like your jam, if you really want to get into the weeds, check out Come On Now, Sugar wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and if uh, you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard Ryan Mogi on a, a bunch of um, our episodes uh, from earlier this year. She was on our Valentine's Day episode. Um, so you know you like that episode and you know you like this episode. So go check out uh, Colin's podcasts. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, go over to uh, Facebook or Twitter, wherever you share stuff, and share it there. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. Colin, you're not really in- engaging with uh, uh, Twitter anymore, are you? No, not really. All right. Um, and then we also uh, have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apit Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apitbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. My name is Will Himes, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire.